Warning, the information and details you hear on this podcast can be gruesome, graphic, and in some cases triggering. These are real people. These are real cases. This is true crime. Listening discretion is advised. Welcome back to another episode of Couch Detectives. I'm your host, LB. That's me. And you are back here with me again. As always, you are appreciated. So we have entered into another month and this will actually be the last month of Couch Detectives. I know, I know, don't cry. But as I move into this next chapter of my life, couch detectives can't come with me. Maybe I'll turn it into like an Instagram-only thing where I give daily true crime updates on our account. Maybe. But unfortunately, this will be the last month for the podcast. It has been a wonderful eight months so far. And I have built a nice little community of listeners across 30 countries, which is so major and still so insane for me to even think about. But I am so thankful for each and every one of you, as I have said on pretty much every episode that I have put out. You guys have been amazing and your support has kept me going, especially recently with all of the things going on in the world. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And let's make this last month together one to remember. If this is your first time tuning in, where you been? I kid, I kid. Welcome to the family. I hope you enjoy this episode and it will encourage you to stick around for the rest of the month. As we enter June, we know every month is a celebration or recognition for something. June is Alzheimer's Awareness Month and National Fruit and Vegetables Month, but is also Pride Month, which is a month to celebrate a group of often marginalized individuals. First, President Bill Clinton declared June Gay and Lesbian Pride Month in 1999 and 2000. Then from 2009 to 2016, each year he was in office, President Barack Obama declared June LGBT Pride Month. And since that political recognition, the LGBTQIA community has used this month to celebrate simply being who they are, which is something they're often ostracized for. This month for them commemorates the ongoing pursuit of equal justice for the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer community, and it celebrates the accomplishments of each individual. But just because this month was politically recognized in 1999, doesn't mean it was the beginning of it. Their pursuit of justice dates way back. On June 28, 1969, at the Stonewall Inn in New York City, the Stonewall Riots occurred. It's also called the Stonewall Uprising, and it began in the early hours of June 28, 1969, when New York City police officers 
raided the Stonewall Inn, which was a gay club located in Greenwich Village in New York City. That raid sparked a riot amongst bar patrons and neighborhood residents as police did what police do and roughly hauled employees and patrons out of the bar simply because it was a gay bar. And during that time, not only was being gay frowned upon, it was illegal, which is dumb, but politics. This led to six days of protests and violent clashes with law enforcement outside the bar, in neighboring streets, and in nearby parks. The Stonewall Riot served as a catalyst for the gay rights movement in the United States and all around the world. So happy Pride Month. We definitely want to recognize this month as they continue to fight for equal rights all over the world. Though all cases this month will not be centered around this, the first case of the month will be. I have actually been sitting on this case for a while and I've been looking into it for some time. I was waiting for someone to get back to me with some information about it, but that never happened. However, I am going to proceed with this case and do my best to get it justice because it is such a loaded case, but it needs attention. It is a case that has been widely discussed, but when it is discussed, the focus seems to always be on the suspect. And as this episode goes on, you'll understand why. But at Couch Detectives, we always want to do our best to bring the attention to the victims. And that is what I am going to strive to do. So without further ado, Los Angeles, California, this week, I am in your backyard as I bring you this case of the often unseen. This is the case of Jamel Moore. In 2017, we have 26-year-old Jamel Moore. Jamel, who his friends and loved ones referred to him as Jewels, was born on January 14, 1991 in Los Angeles, California to Letitia Nixon. And he was her firstborn son. You know those firstborn babies be something special, especially the sons. Following him were four more, and his mom described him as something like a father figure to his younger siblings. She said he helped out a lot around the house with cooking and cleaning so that she could go to work and support them financially. Jamel graduated in 2008 from Victor Valley High School in Victorville, California. He stuck around after graduation, getting a job and helping his mom out. Eventually, his mom and siblings moved to Houston, Texas, but Jamel wanted to establish his life in California, so he stayed behind to do just that. He worked at AT&T for some time and continued living in California. Though he was away from his family, they kept in close contact. He was his mom's firstborn, and they were close. Which is why when he did decide to move to Texas with her in the spring of 2017, she welcomed him with open arms. She described Jamel as someone who was fun and had the best sense of humor. As Jamel is now in Houston, he's still working and trying to establish himself when he decides that he is going to work as an escort to make money, as it surely can be a lucrative business. Jamel was also dating here and there, mostly men that he met online and through dating sites, but there was nothing serious. Jamel didn't really feel like he had himself all the way together, and like most of us, was just out here trying to figure life out. While working as an escort and dating online, he met Ed Buck in 2016, 
when he was still in California. Now, Ed was a predominant figure and donor to the Democratic Party in California and pretty much all over. He spoke with Ed several times and even met up with him, but by no means was he his boyfriend. It was more transactional. Ed would pay for Jamel's time. After all, he was a rich, white, well-connected man. Keep a sticky note there. While meeting up with Ed, Jamel was still trying to figure things out personally. Unfortunately, in the process of doing life, he also began doing drugs, which he said he was introduced to by none other than Ed Buck. He wrote in the journal entry in December of 2016 the following, I pray that I can get my life together and make sense. I help so many people, but can't seem to help myself. I honestly don't know what to do. I've become addicted to drugs and the worst one at that. Ed Buck is the one to thank. He gave me my first injection of crystal meth. It was very painful, but after all the troubles, I became addicted to the pain and fetish fantasy. He was an avid journal writer and often wrote about all the things he was dealing with. Most as a result of being a black gay man in America and all of the troubles that comes with it, which are plentiful. He spoke about how he didn't necessarily want to do drugs, but once it was introduced to him, he not only was forced to do them, but also became addicted. Now, while he's meeting with Ed, he is getting paid. So there was some controversy about his line of work and not enough about the fact that he was simply taken advantage of because that's really what happened. That journal entry was in December of 2016 before he moved to Texas with his mom. And as 2017 came, Jamel was still working and meeting new people, but he didn't leave Ed in his past, which is how he ended up with him on July 27th, 2017. Jamel was now living in Houston with his mom and Ed in California. Ed bought a plane ticket for Jamel to fly out to Los Angeles to meet up with him on July 27, 2017. Unfortunately, that's the last flight Jamel would ever take. On that very day, 26-year-old Jamel Moore was found naked on the mattress in the middle of Ed Buck's apartment, dead of an apparent overdose while Ed was there. His death was immediately ruled an accidental meth overdose by the coroner. The chef's department did not even investigate. Like, they see this gay black man laying naked in this older, well-known white gay man's apartment, dead with drug paraphernalia laying around, ruled an accidental overdose, and kept it moving. End of story. Oh, if it was just that simple. Literally, while Jamel's naked body is laying on the floor and detectives and coroners and Ed Buck is right there, another young black gay male was literally on his way up to Ed's apartment and he had to be turned around. And Ed is just standing there. The news of Jamel's death gets back to his family and starts to make its rounds. And it does not sit right with his mom and many other people. Like y'all just ruled it an overdose and that's it. 
No investigating anything. No collecting evidence from the scene. Just take Ed's word for it. That's all not cool at all. And they aren't the only ones who think that. At the beginning of this episode, I told you about the Stonewall riots that took place in New York. Well, they have an organization called the Stonewall Democratic Club, which is a LGBTQ Democratic organization that Ed was a part of. They heard this news and quickly had him resign because this wasn't sitting right with them either. Or maybe politics and reputation. Who knows? But we don't care too much about him. Why is this young, gay black man's death not being investigated? If someone dies in my home, I don't care what the circumstances were. I am expecting an investigation to take place. Don't take my word for it. Do the work. And that's what Jamel's mom is saying. On August 10, 2017, his mom went on social media to call for help and attention to his death because this just was not okay for her. This is what she had to say. My name is Letitia Nixon. I'm Jamel Moore's mom. Um, I'm calling out the West Hollywood Sheriff's Department to please launch a thorough investigation into the uh, supposed accidental death of my son. I'm wondering why it wasn't Ed Buck held accountable for the California Drug Dealer Liability Act. You know, I would like exposure onto the underground of this meth uh, epidemic that's going on in West Hollywood. You know, I'm, I'm calling on the leaders. I'm calling on anybody who would listen. You know, it seems like everyone's turning a blind eye because my son was a gay black man. You know, when Ed Buck is a wealthy white politician who has, you know, contributed a lot, lot of money to the different campaigns and different funds. You know, I need some light shedded on this. And I'm asking for the West Hollywood Sheriff's Department to launch a thorough investigation. Thanks. A few days later, she's connected with a journalist named Jasmine who really became like Jamel's advocate throughout this entire thing. And she publicly puts out his journal entries where he not only wrote about his personal struggles, but he wrote about his feelings and dealings with Ed, which I read earlier. And another entry said, my life is at an all time high right now. And I mean that from always. I ended up back at Buck's house again and got manipulated into slamming again. I even went to the point where I was forced to doing four within a two day period. This man is crazy and it's sad. Will I ever get help? His last entry on December 3rd, 2016 read, If it didn't hurt so bad, I'd kill myself. But I'll let Ed Buck do it for now. He knew the situation he was in and it sounded like he really wanted help and he wanted to get out. His mom and Jasmine releasing these journals, they had hope that the police and the politicians that were still in support of him would see these journals and connect some kind of dots. And it wasn't until then that they did decide to launch a homicide investigation because this community has to consistently fight and lay their whole lives out for the world to see before they're even recognized. After this, there were several other victims that came out with accusations and evidence against Ed, accusing him of being a sexual predator, kidnapping, 
forced drug use, injecting unconscious black men with crystal meth, filing false police reports to cover his crime, coercion, pimping, and pandering. The list goes on and on. And it's done mainly to young, gay, black men, a vulnerable population, a group of individuals who the system ain't gonna fight for. And Ed obviously knows that, and this is why he continues to prey on them. The other victims had evidence, videos, pictures, messages, hella proof, and nothing. It wasn't enough. They didn't care. Ed Buck was still out here, free as a bird, still associating with his politician friends, still preying on young black men. On August 19th, 2017, Jamel's funeral is held in South LA where his family, friends, and loved ones come out to celebrate his life as the funny and outgoing person that he was, yet still seeking justice for him. Time goes by and nothing happens. Ed Buck brings other men to his house to do meth with them. Witnesses are still coming forward. Interviews are being held and still nothing he's still free. In November of 2017, the coroner's report is published corroborating Jamel's story of being drugged. Still nothing. Almost a year goes by before any more noise is really made. And that's when on July 10, 2018, investigators finally presented their case to prosecutors. And the Los Angeles District attorney declines to file any criminal charges against Ed Buck in the death of Jamel Moore. He won't be held responsible. And the journalist, Jasmine, who had been an advocate for Jamel and the other victims who had come forward, was like, when another black gay man dies at Ed Buck's home, it's going to be y'all fault for not stopping him when y'all had the chance. Like, why are you not filing charges against this man. And lo and behold, six months after they declined to file criminal charges against him, on January 7th, 2019, 55-year-old Timothy Dean was found dead of an apparent overdose in Ed Buck's apartment. And he's still free, y'all. No investigation again. And about a month later, he's caught in public with another young black man. This is not a movie, y'all. This is real life. He's really out here drugging, abusing, and killing black gay men. And he's free to do it because the system is not built to protect them. And he knows this. So he knows he has free reign to continue to live this vile life. But their community will fight for them, even though the system won't. They fight and they fight to get Jamel and now Timothy's story out there. They are calling on all of the organizations, using all of the social media platforms, marching and protesting because that's the only way they can see justice happening. If they get it themselves. It's exhausting, but they fight. On September 17, 2019, Ed Buck is arrested, but not for Jamel or Timothy's death. He's arrested 
and charged with operating a drug house and providing meth to a 37-year-old black man who suffered an overdose at his apartment the week before. Thankfully, he survived. Two days later, on September 19, 2019, federal prosecutors charged him with a federal drug crime in the death of Jamel Moore. He was charged with the distribution of meth resulting in death a little over two years after Jamel's death. On October 2nd, 2019, Ed Buck was indicted by a federal grand jury on a series of narcotic distribution offenses, including providing methamphetamine to two men who died after being injected with a drug, Jamel and Timothy. He appeared in court eight days later and pled not guilty. His trial was scheduled for November 26th, but then pushed back, and then COVID hit. Money still talks, though. So during this time, he hired some big-name attorneys to help him when he went to trial. That was now scheduled for January 19, 2021. During this time, he was also charged with four additional felonies, including that he allegedly enticed victims to travel interstate to engage in prostitution, including a man who died at his West Hollywood apartment after he administered drugs to him. COVID delayed the trial again until April 20th, 2021, but it didn't happen. Another delay occurred, and then the trial began on July 13th, 2021. He still claimed he wasn't guilty. His lawyer said that he wasn't responsible. He said that this is not a situation where Ed caused these deaths. It's unfortunately a situation where he had longtime friends who had not handled their lives well and died in his presence. Sir, sir, just sir. Prosecutors called several of the victims to testify and had mountains of evidence. After two weeks of testimony and evidence, the jury got the case. And on July 27, 2021, exactly four years to the day that Jamel was found dead in Ed's house, the jury came back with a verdict. They found him guilty of all charges. He filed for an acquittal, but it was denied. On April 14, 2022, Ed Buck was sentenced to 30 years in federal prison. He will not be eligible for release until he serves at least 25 and a half years, which is 85% of his sentence, as he should. This case is a clear case of the struggles that the LGBTQIA community have to struggle and fight against to receive just an ounce of recognition and justice. Many of these victims' lives could have been saved if they took Jamel's life and death seriously. Thankfully, his family and community fought for justice. And though it took a long time to get and they'll never see their loved one again, at least in this case, Justice was somewhat served. 
If you're more interested in Ed Buck, feel free to Google him to get more information. There's so much out there. But I really wanted this to be more centered around the victim and his community's fight to get justice for him. Jamel was like many other young black men out here just trying to navigate life as their authentic selves. And he was unfortunately taken advantage of and lost his life because of it. So today, let's remember Jamel Jewels more for the funny an outgoing person that he was. And let's continue to be allies and support the fight for equality for the LGBTQIA community. Until next time, Couch Detectives, keep an eye out on your backyard.